This is the Umbrella Academy podcast from TV Podcast Industries. We're discussing Umbrella Academy Season 3, Episode 7, Alvidazin. <laughs> I mean, none of it, none of it's real. <laughs> Nothing stays. Shit. You've got the spins. Okay. Look. Fapping about with time travel is a massive head trip, I grant you, but... Things are still real. They're just moving by so fast, you get dizzy with the changes. It's like figure skaters. And then they're, they're triple sow, cow, doggy style, whatever it is. You've got to pick a focus point. Something concrete to lock onto. No matter what changes around you. And what if I had one and I lost her? Then find another one. Or you'll fall down. Welcome back, fellow Academy alumni. This is TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about The Umbrella Academy, Season 3, Episode 7, Alvida Zane. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I am one of your other hosts, John. Welcome, fellow, willkommen, fellow brollies. Oh, yeah, I'll be the same pet, I'll be the same pet. Didn't remember that that show. <laughs> yes, Do the I... Geordies uh, in yeah. uh, in Europe uh, yes, back in exactly. the 80s. Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. I remember that, I remember that. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you gotta love British comedy. It was like, how can we make fun of the French with a lower low? <laughs> And then the Germans would all be the same pen. Mm-hmm. It's just like yeah. typical British humor from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. In fairness, yeah. a lower low got both German and <laughs> French. <laughs> and in fact, indeed managed to sort of skewer the Italian accent as well. Oh, and the English. And the English, yeah, exactly. Tally ho, what, what. <laughs> and if anyone wants to know where I got my accent practice from back in the day, it is a lower low. It is very much that. That is where I learned and fine-tuned my craft of accents. Yes, Chris has the uh, the full DVD box set I've learned uh, recently, so uh, he yeah. watches it on, on regular occasions. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you did Call keep that me, mate. Oh, chip, chip, chiru, let's go. <laughs> oh, the apples and pears. But we're not here to talk about Aloha, though, although we do mention it quite a lot uh, across our podcasts uh, for have, the last seven we? years. Yes, yeah. we have. We have. It's... It was a staple growing up, mm-hmm. for sure. When we had four channels and not uh, 25 well, exactly. streaming services with millions and millions of hours of content, uh, yeah, we, yes. all, we all watch Aloha. <laughs> oh, I see some flashing bed knobs. I think we should get on with our discussion about this episode of Umbrella Academy. We're on to episode seven, Alfida Zen. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, uh, make sure you go over to the website at tvpodcastindustries.com and subscribe to the podcast over there. Loads of options for you. We'd love it if you'd leave a a review of the podcast or even a rating uh, for the podcast wherever you can on any of the podcast catchers. Uh, Love to hear your thoughts about all the episodes that we're covering on Umbrella Academy. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any of your thoughts on the shows we're covering. Um, just to make sure you know, we're not only covering Umbrella Academy on TV Podcast Industries at the moment, we're also covering The Sandman from Neil Gaiman. Uh, we ha- have released the first episode of that, possibly even the second episode by the time you're listening to this. Uh, hope you are watching along for The Sandman, another great show from Netflix. Yes, it's going to be a good one. And like, if you enjoy comic book romps, stunning visuals, 
well-written, well-acted shows, this is a show for you. So basically, if you enjoy fine art, you will enjoy this. Mm. Yes. Spoiler alert, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it, it should it should be out on Netflix by the time our wonderful Academy alumni are listening to it uh, and listening to this episode. So uh, so that should be all right. Yes. So no spoilers. But yes, speaking exactly. of spoilers, <laughs> speaking of spoilers, let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion of episode seven of the Umbrella Academy. Auf Wiedersehen. Uh, Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, the show was created for television by Steve Blackman, developed by Jeremy Slater, based on the comic book series by Jared Way and Gabriel Barr. This episode was directed by Kate Woods, who's done tons and tons of TV. This is the first episode of Umbrella Academy, but she reached the nadir of directors for television when she did three episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, one in season three, season four, and season five. Um, that might be personal preference. Uh, <laughs> yes, it might be. Being the nadir of TV, TV, she's done loads of other shows as well, loads that you guys love uh, too, but those are my favorites. So I thought I'd call them out. Good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. The teleplay for this episode was written by Michelle Lavretta, um, who also wrote the teleplay for the season three premiere uh, this season as well. So this is her second episode of Umbrella Academy. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for season three, episode seven, Afrida Zen? Yeah, sure. In 1953, Lila digs up her mother's The Handler's Secrets and takes her frustration out on the other members of the Commission. To get her out of the way, Commission leaders Herb and Dot send Lila to West Berlin in 1989, where she retrieves a hidden briefcase planted by The Handler. She meets rocker musician Trudy and her son Stanley before she invites Stanley along on a fun trip to terrorise an old friend. In the present, Reginald wants to be a better father by helping Klaus hone his powers over death, by repeatedly killing Klaus in road accidents in order to train him to reanimate more quickly and less like a wet noodle. As Klaus gets his reanimation down to under a minute, Reggie takes Klaus to a graveyard to confront his fears over the dead, where he successfully exorcises the ghosts of his past. Back at the Sparrow Academy, both families join forces to fight the ever-expanding Kugelblitz, but all is not peace and harmony, as Alison is remorseless about murdering Harlan and blames Victor for her losses, which causes sulks and tensions amongst the Umbrella siblings. But Victor, along with Lila, Sloane and Christopher are essential in constraining the Kugelblitz. They combine their powers and manage to trap the Kugelblitz inside Christopher, but robot mother Grace is killed by five when she attacks them with a flamethrower to protect her god. They learn their plan was successful as the Kugelblitz's next energy pulse is contained inside Christopher as it fizzles out with a whimpering fart. At the Academy, the group celebrates saving the world, and on top of the Academy, Luther proposes to Sloane, who accepts... Meanwhile, Lila reveals to Diego that she's pregnant with their child, explaining that her trick with Stan was to test Diego's parenting abilities. While Five assures a grieving Victor that saving Harlan would not have fixed their past failures. As Faye toasts Christopher's role, the chink of the glass on Christopher causes him to suddenly explode, releasing the Kugel Blitz which kills Faye and consumes the Academy. Before it claims another victim, Five saves Ben from the Kugel Blast as the group escapes. Yes, it was all going so well. <laughs> it was, it was. <laughs> and then 
Uh, a great little moment there with Faye uh, toasting Christopher <laughs> and causing, I guess, uh, an unwanted resonance. Yeah, they basically stopped uh, one Kugel blast. Is that is that what happened? That was <laughs> their, their best efforts they could possibly manage. Stopped uh, the Kugel blast for a couple of hours. Uh, that could have gi- that could have <laughs> given them some breathing space, though. Yeah, yeah. Let them they all fight with each other. Stopped a Kugel blast and started a Kugel blitz, a ballroom blitz. Yes, it was a clue. It was a Kugel fart, indeed. Mm. But yes, uh, loving the show, loving uh, loving some of the twisted turns they take in this show because they uh, always seem quite unexpected. Uh, definitely didn't expect an entire plan to just fall apart in the last uh, millisecond of the episode <laughs> once again. Great stuff. Uh, let's get into our big moments from Season 3, Episode 7. Chris, do you want to kick us off with your big moment from Season 3, Episode 7? Let's do it, because it is the beginning of time. It is 1953. It is years and years. <laughs> no, uh, yes. No, I, I want to start with Lila uh, and the, the 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 backstory we do get of Lila and her trip home back to find her mother and the the the, the kind of the message we read with the fantastic voiceover uh, by the, the same actress mm-hmm. and then seeing her find the suitcase, retrieve the suitcase. And then go to 89, where mm-hmm. she's kind of punk rock, down with the wall, down with democracy, and... Uh, well, oh, <laughs> down with communism. Oh, communism. Down with communism, <laughs> and up with democracy. That's it. And uh, down with normal music, and up with punk rock. Yeah. You know, Lila um, kicks ass on drums, though. That is fantastic. Did you know she does that? The, the actress, like, learned... That and like can do that full thing, Fantastic. like I was shocked. Like somewhere on social media, it was going around. It was like, yeah, and she learned that. Like she learned that full set. Uh, cool. She wasn't really a drummer. She enjoys it, but now like she's full on hardcore, like speed death metal drumming, like solos. <laughs> and I'm like, damn. Look out for Rita Oria in the. Uh, a theatre near you just drumming, uh, I, I guess. It's, it seems to be a Netflix thing, right? They did that for uh, for Stranger Things as well. Yeah. That or she's going to do the, the next version of Whiplash. Ah, the, 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 the sequel. The sequel. Whiplash. Yes. Whiplash <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I Look, I really enjoyed this, this story because also the kid, Stanley, is from 1989. He's mm-hmm. not current timeline kid. He's just been brought forward. <laughs> like, kind of... <laughs> Just that was the bit I wasn't expecting because it took me a bit of time. I was like, wait, like, has like 10 years passed, but the kid hasn't grown up? Wait, I was trying to figure out how this was. Uh, time travel. It's mm. always crazy timey wimey. Like, they just walked from 89 into 2023. Uh-huh. 2022, yeah. probably in this case. Um, and I enjoyed this. Yeah. I, I thought this was fun. And we get rationale of why she wants to, why she wants to do what she's doing, in terms of she she wants payback. She wants to go mess with Diego's head, mm-hmm. and she's also upset that he hasn't come looking for her. In, well, based on what yes. I'm inferring from, he hasn't come looking for her. Like she she's there in the club, and she's upset that he he's not walking in to get her. Yeah, I think I think she she sees him definitely in her mind. She sees him in the crowd, and she's uh, that 
he doesn't actually exist there, of course, because it yes. looks like he did in the 60s uh, with his old uh, long haircut. Um, but I think that puts her on the path of, of wanting to go back and mess with him. But the question I have out of it, she reveals later on that she's pregnant um, to Diego. Bum, bum, bum. So the question I have out of it is, is that why she's going through this anger and aggression uh, yeah. when she goes to Berlin? Um, is she she knows at that time and then decides to go off and mess with him. She says that the reason why she brought Stanley with her is because uh, she wanted to test whether he'd be a good parent or not. So I'm guessing she knew that she was pregnant, then went to get the uh, time travel device so that she could catch up with Diego at some point in some timeline. Yeah, and I mean, it's also what we hear when she's in the commission is... You know, she went back to the Infinity Switchboard just to, like, get a glimpse of him again, to kind Mm. of look at that recording, but ultimately was shot by her mother, and then she's she's watching that back. It's all that fallout of the handler's mess from last season. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they had feelings for one another previously in season two. That's resulted in her being pregnant, but yeah, she she says, "Well, you never came to to find me." So there, there's a bit, and it, it's in the same way as she says to Stan when they realize that Trudy's run off with the bass player, or mm-hmm. that, um, well, let's go and terrorize uh, an old friend of mine. Uh-huh. You know, so she she is playing with him, but it, it ultimately. Um, there's a reason behind it, which yeah. we find out when she, you know, comes clean to say, um, that that's the whole trick with, with Stanley. He's not hers. It's Trudy, all this kind of thing. Um, but I mean, it was a really kind of nice moment because, um, you know, I, I like the way Lila, in a sense, you know, I think she's just being honest. Um, but she rescues it to some extent. Yes, Diego has got to th- think about it, and he says that. But I like it when she says, you know, I'm a bloody mess uh, because of what she saw mm. at the Infinite Switchboard well, and yeah. everything going on. But I want a family with you. You know, that's the, the deep honesty here mm-hmm. from it. So I have, one, I have one question on this, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is how where my brain went. And I don't think they would do this, but... It kind of felt like they were. She woke up hungover on that table, mm-hmm. that kitchen table, but she knows she's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So she, it is basically saying that she went on a massive bender yeah. while pregnant. And yeah. she's, yeah, okay. Just didn't think they were doing that but I, upon upon reflection i was like that they did do that my second watch i was like yeah she's hung over it's not just like morning sickness it's she is and she drinks a can like straight away and i was like oh that's i a good checked thing. the can the can is a can of coke uh so i did i did check that it is okay. a soda can uh definitely that she yeah drinks i mean <laughs> it depends how far gone i mean you know and does she actually know in that moment plus i mean let's face it um my mum was prescribed a bottle of guinness um to get iron that's you know, right per when week. um when she was pregnant True. with me and yeah. that's only the 70s so yeah. you know um, you, potentially 1870s, right? you know <laughs> yes. 1989 West Berlin, you know, in a band, there would be that kind of, you know, 
I, I, I guess maybe the, the, the science, the maternity care has, you know, evolved to its more precision based, yeah. uh, sort of stuff now. But like, I, I guess it's just slightly different from that time. But I also, also don't she's think, early stage, I guess. Yeah. I don't think Lila was going to an Abgain in, in 1989. I think she was only there for a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, and went in a bit of a bender after finding out potentially that she was pregnant. So that's yeah. maybe what happened. And, so I, you know, yeah. I get your point, Chris, yeah. for sure, but I think it's yeah. kind of early stage. Yeah, I also think this is one of the things that Umbrella Academy, the show, may not want you to focus on. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know yeah. whether that's as part of the story that they were trying to tell, no. because they were really, really trying to tell you where she picked up Stanley, um, how he suddenly yeah. appeared into her life, I think is what the big story is there, right? <laughs> yeah. And to be that honest, makes more sense. Yeah. And to be honest, I think we see her drinking at other stages in, mm-hmm. in the episodes as well. Yeah. Because a well, lot of true, it is centered around, uh, you know, because a lot of it is centered around the bar at Hotel mm-hmm. Obsidian. Yep. Mm. But yeah, so that's that's kind of my point. It's just it's mm-hmm. fun to see where we found Stanley, where we picked him up, um, the 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 backstory of her coming to realize how abusive her mother was, especially mm-hmm. in the end, uh, and then. Um, she hasn't spent 11 years traveling. Mm-hmm. It's been 20 odd days. Yeah. Like, maybe a few that's weeks. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Enough to get her to dye her hair blonde and yes. join a band. Uh, yeah. I, so, like, literally 20 odd minutes, potentially. <laughs> potentially. <laughs> exactly. I have to say as well, just one kind of point from. Uh, Lila, but also Diego is, uh, is what it leads to. In my mind, one of the best lines of this episode from number five, um, where he says, you two sentient STDs have actually been <laughs> in there in terms of referring to uh, the the doorway to Hotel Oblivion mm-hmm. uh, and, and having gone in and come out and now trying to figure out how do you open this door again. So I, I just, I must say... Um, just cracked a, a massive smile with uh-huh. with that line. So good, so good. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that. Uh, I I just realised from my notes she does actually refuse a drink in the episode as well. Interesting. Yeah, because uh, Alison offers her something from her hip flask. She says, "No, I prefer the hoppy bitterness of a good Guinness." There we so, go. There you go. To get, <laughs> so, to get the iron, exactly to get the iron. So just just like your mother, John. Uh, exactly. Maybe she's been prescribed a Guinness. Uh, to give iron to her baby. There you go. There you yeah. go. There you go. Actually, that's a really nice scene, though, as well, between uh, Lila and Allison as well, where, you know, Allison is effectively mm-hmm. um, being pretty sort of intransigent around Harlan, pretty uh, tough on Victor, you know, for good reasons from her perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that the way Lila describes you know, effectively that you've got the spins from from time travel uh, and the, you know, that these things move past so quickly, they change up because of the time travel that you have to pick uh, a focus point um, to to remain steady. Otherwise, you're going to fall over. And, you know, Alison replies, as you would expect, with... What if you lose that point? And Lila's pretty kind of objective about it. Well, you need to find another one. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, you'll get lost and fall. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I suppose you kind of you kind of forget that the commission are all trained people to go through time traveling. So you know, there's there's a whole process they go through before you can go through time traveling. Whereas the Umbrella Academy have just been dragged through time back and forth uh, by five and his power. So uh, these things are massively affecting uh, Allison and potentially if she'd had some help with what to expect or how to manage it, how to deal with it. Maybe she wouldn't be as messed up as she is uh, at the moment because the conversation also starts because Lila's trying to apologize to Diego and she's asking Alison for her help. How can he, how can I get him to accept my apology? And Alison, once again, is kind of throwing Victor under the bus. Nobody wants apologies. People want explanations unless you're someone like Victor who can swan away uh, with doing whatever they want to do, basically. So, uh, again, underlying that their friendship is uh, is not going well at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. No. I think I'll move on with my point uh, for this episode, my big moment from the episode, um, which is the retraining of Klaus. Um, it seems like he's found his true purpose, which is to get knocked down over and over and over again. Oh, I love this from um, from the opening scene of uh, them driving down the road, Reggie singing along to Must Be the Money uh, on the radio, because <laughs> yeah. uh, it's totally incongruous to his character, which I love. Uh, really good fun. But then you find out that he has been going through similar tests on Klaus that the original version of Reggie, their original father back in the Umbrella Academy, was doing on him. He seems to be going through it much more jauntily and much more happily yes. and kind of telling Klaus at least what he's doing but um he's the same person like he is he is coming from the same place he's coming from a place of science so you test something repeatedly until you find out what the true outcome is I suppose so that's what he's trying to do at Klaus but at least he's telling him at least he's telling him I'm pushing you until you learn how to do uh what you need to do because you're right now your power is useless you die and then at some point in the future, you come back to life. Someone could take all your organs out during that time. Someone could <laughs> cut your head off, cut your arms off. There is no point to this power. So I will train you. There must be a way to get you back quicker from death, which will allow you to jump back out of it and yeah. be able to fight again. Not only does it take a long time, but then you come back with all the reflexes of a wet of noodle. A wet noodle. Uh, exactly. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Just, I love this whole sequence. It was pure silliness and it is, fun. Yeah, it is 100% ridiculous. Ridiculous. This is definitely <laughs> one of those ones you just have to go along with because you're just going to have a bit of a laugh. There is no way they're on one patch of road. There is no way that someone, the one person knocking down Klaus. in America. <laughs> <laughs> that too, but there is no way one car knocking down Klaus wouldn't have had the people get out of it and go, are you okay, sir? <laughs> Whereas they have 20 buses, loads of cars, loads of trucks knocking him down and just going on to the next one over and over again. <laughs> or, or even you know, the radical suggestion of applying the brake on one of the straightest roads. It's not like they could have missed him. Um, so I, I, this was pure silliness, but it was so much fun. I mean, I just love that you had Klaus going underneath the bus, which I just felt as uh-huh. as it happened. You have the car van ping pong Klaus, where he bangs off uh, yeah, the different windshields. Yeah. You've got his, his kind of whole crooked legs that he is, you know, are snapping back in, and he's just there on the road going, ah, you know, <laughs> really, really painful. And then just the... You know, it ends up with him kind of, you know, accepting the the, the crash wholeheartedly as mm-hmm. he sort of relaxed and zen moments. He, re, you know, stretches out his arms. I yeah. just thought it was really just 
a nice great sequence sequence yeah, yeah exactly yeah really good sequence i do wonder if the hitting off the three front of three cars <laughs> is a reference to meet joe black which has this absolutely ridiculous death scene of brad pitt <laughs> yeah. which was turned yeah. into an infinitely repeating gif where it was just him bouncing off off the front of three cars <laughs> repeatedly, and you could watch it for hours. It's hilarious uh, on its own. The movie's not hilarious. Meet Black is quite a serious film, but uh, I don't know why they went excessive on the on <laughs> him hitting three cars. But I think that scene with Klaus is, is probably a reference to that. Uh, really good scene, really interesting. But again, I like that they're going back and rediscovering a power that you didn't really know Klaus yeah. had from the start. I think that's really cool. And on the back of him last episode saying... He always thought he was just some kind of cartoon character bashed over the head and then he could just get on with his day. Um, here, he is absolutely a cartoon character in this scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, underlying all this, you know, whether it is true from Reggie, because he, he's off his pills, mm-hmm. but just the road trip and, you know, they're talking about honing Klaus's skills... Um, he's talking about, you know, the world is ending. But Klaus is really trying to connect in with his father from this timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, they do make this bargain that he will help Klaus hone his skills um, if you forget the sins of your other father, mm-hmm. you know, which I'm not. So I don't know whether he's truly sort of buying into what Klaus does, but, it, you know, he... There is that possibility yeah. of him doing that. And, you know, whether his intentions are still just really to hone the power and to get him fighting. Uh, but by the end of it, because Klaus has achieved it, you know, he has that soft spot for Klaus because of that. Yeah. Or whether it's because of a, you know, non-work related kind of genuine connection. I get you. I get you. Um, there, I suppose there is that added element from Reggie where he's also trying to work out what this other version of himself was doing, why he wouldn't train yeah. Klaus to be able to use his powers properly or any of the rest of the family. Mm. The Umbrella Academy seem inept with their powers versus the Sparrow Academy. Uh, Klaus tries to explain that that was because of what was going on in the past, because of, uh, of how their family grew up differently. But this version of Reggie is explaining that he thinks his other self was trying to keep them afraid so they would be submissive to him and do everything he wanted them to do. Now, yeah. we've seen this version of Reggie when he fired Pogo back in the early days of the Sparrow Academy. We've seen this version of Reggie go, they will do exactly what I tell them to do because that's what they're here for. So we know that this was the version of Reggie before they put him on yeah. the pills for the last couple of years, right? Yeah. But, but it's also the fact that Reggie... I guess, as you say, in thinking about why the Umbrella Academy haven't achieved their full potential, Mm. you get the explanation from Klaus, as you said, but in the graveyard, you know, after, after the time of reanimation has come down, after he's coming back much more alert and, and, and responsive, um, you know, Reggie says now for the real work, which is effectively to stop him being afraid mm-hmm. of the dead and the the place of trauma at the um the graveyard but he he says the only conclusion i could come to is as you say it was because of me trying to mm-hmm. keep you afraid that you yeah. didn't reach your potential so i think there is a genuine kind of 
acknowledgement from Reggie in his own objective kind of, you know, precise way, yes. you know, but I, I really kind of enjoyed the, just the look on Klaus's face as well. And it's like, oh, okay, I've done it. I'm really proud. You know, mm. I've made you proud as, as, you know, my father from the other timeline. And then all of a sudden it's like, he's shoved into his place of trauma into the graveyard yes. by Obi Wang. Yeah. I <laughs> wish I loved loved that yes the only additional bit I can add to this is they missed a trick for a show that is known for its music and it's tying the music perfectly to a scene there is a song that encapsulates getting knocked down and getting up again <laughs> <laughs> they should have paid the rights to the classic that is Chumbawamba's Tub thumping, like, <laughs> that is the official. Like that would that that's just the one they that you could have just played, yeah, and it would have just been perfectly. But anyway, it does make me question: what other powers do the teams have? Mm. Yeah, definitely. What else can Allison do? Yeah. What else can Five do? Like Five at the moment can jump through time and teleport. Mm. Well, we do. But is there more? Yeah, there's potential hints there because with the the family meeting that's held, mm -hmm. Five asks, how have you just rumoured Victor without saying, I rumoured? Mm -hmm. um, I heard a rumour. You know, I heard a rumour. Mm -hmm. So potentially the, there's more to Alison's skill set as well. Yep. Um, yeah. But I think what's really good about the Klaus side of it is that, you know, here in the graveyard, you you get Reggie giving him that pep talk to Klaus, you know, in the sense that a, quite an inspirational speech. And mm. um, as he's holding off um, the, the ghosts with his kind of modified torch that kind of stops, or maybe it is just the light. I just assumed it was something that kind of kept them locked. You know, <laughs> like the, Ghostbustery. Ghost yeah. Okay. But yeah, maybe it, it is just, just a, torch. a torch and they're afraid <laughs> of the light. But, uh, you know, which, which effectively gives him the confidence to kind of stand there as they surround. Yeah. And then I guess it's like, you know, he emits something, but it absorbs and takes, either takes all the ghosts or just, a, I think it was more that they were obliterated, mm -hmm. really, by this okay. power that kind of comes from Klaus. So, like, he's much more powerful than being able to see and speak to dead people. Absolutely. That's the training yeah. that the Umbrella Academy didn't really... Uh, go through yeah. since yeah. they broke up. And could I be suppose. really handy in an end-of-the-world Kugel Blitz type situation. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Dare but, I say it. <laughs> yeah. But um, I suppose on, on the point about Five and what his powers are, yes, he was able to blink back and forth to different locations. That was his original power. But remember, with his own training, he, breaking away from Reggie, he was able to jump through time. Not very successfully, but if this Reggie got his hands on him, he could potentially have trained him to use those powers much better and we would have a much more powerful five right that's that's yep. the what you're getting from this conversation he's having with Klaus. he's made him into being able to use his powers significantly better than he even thought yeah. was possible maybe he could have done the same with the rest of the umbrella academy maybe luther has another power other than being big and hairy yeah maybe <laughs> well i think it could be that he's a, his other powers being a really big softy yes absolutely gets engaged in this episode to slow him yeah, very quick. No. But when no. you know, you know, I guess, right? 
Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Love is all around. Um, that's basically it for my uh, for my point on Klaus. I'm sure we're all going to have a little bit to talk about in the, uh, our final big moment from the episode. But John, do you want to lead us off with your big moment from season three, episode seven? Yes, the almost successful plan that stops mm. the Kugelblitz. Um, like, I think this was just really good and and threaded nicely through this whole episode. Um, you have that. That family meeting between the sparrows and umbrellas with a lot of Diego back chat with Ben, and uh, a lot of sort of put me downs from, from five saying, you know, can you two testosterone twins calm down? And <laughs> um, there's, the, the, uh, I just, I don't know why I just absolutely love that in, initial moment when Ben comes in and goes, Everybody sit down. Diego goes, a please would be useful. And Ben just goes, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, just really nice back chat here. Um, you know, that, that kind of just, I think, I mentioned this before about the back chat, but it's the social observations of people with these characteristics mm-hmm. that are just so, so good. Um, I love the fact that intertwined in all of this is, um the absolute tension that is generated um by Allison and Victor's arguments mm-hmm. um you know as everyone else is watching on as though it's a movie i think ben is eating kind of uh crisps and stuff um you know t- there's people talking of ooh plot twists um mm-hmm. uh but the, there is that also then you know, I, I love how there is all that fun around it. And then you have uh, Ben speaking with Diego saying, oh, you're just like us. Uh, your family argues just like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Diego, you know, really soberly just saying, no, we don't fight like this. Yeah. Uh, you know, something has changed here and he can he can sense it in his waters almost, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I really kind of like that whole atmosphere created around this. But ultimately... Certainly because then Victor is essential to their plan. I mm-hmm. loved how this played out. I thought it was, you know, that with the analogy of putting and building a box around a, a wasp's nest to contain it and how using uh, Lila as well to mimic Victor's power. So yep. you get double the, double the containment and you have Sloan. Uh, doing that and you have Faye listening in on ultimately what will become her downfall the resonances of the the black holes within the the kugel blitz within the energy ball but Mm -hmm. ultimately successful and other than almost being interrupted by a a 17th century quaker like dressed um Grace, uh, who comes to protect her god with a yeah. flamethrower, and who is dispatched by by number five, um, with a, a twist of the neck, like snap of the neck, uh, as I she kind of slowly sort of winds down because of losing power mm. with the song "Onward, Christian Soldiers." Yeah. So, I don't yeah, know why I like this so much? I don't know why. I just really thought it was a great addition to the scene, having yeah. Grace coming in with her, uh, with her way to defend her god. I just thought it was. I thought it worked really well as a as an additional bit of a threat even though she's dispatched very quickly by five but. she is and it's, it's a better way than her just simply then getting sort of taken out by one of mm. the the Blast. pulses from yeah. the 
the Kugel Blitz. So yeah. I really like that. And of course, for me, it's all topped off with just the irony of this huge party that they've saved the world. You've got, um, you know, in that celebration, you have uh, Luther proposing to Sloan uh, on the top of the Academy, you know, as there's just pure devastation out the front uh, in terms of fires and crumbling skyscrapers. And it's all kind of party, 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 uh, champagne flowing. And, you know, at the height of that celebration it, it's the resonance from the chink of the glass, uh, mm-hmm. from the toast to Christopher. Um, and effectively, <laughs> it all just immediately sort of backs up and reverses at speed as Christopher <laughs> explodes. Faye is consumed by the Kugel Blitz. And then this Kugel Blitz just expands, taking out the Academy with mm-hmm. you know, everyone pretty much getting out. Um, in, in time, but you know, else, yeah. <laughs> with the the need for a save on Ben as yes. well. So, I just loved how it qu- so quickly turned on, on a dime. Mm-hmm. Really, so that was that was my yeah. big plan. You're thinking, okay, where's this going to go then <laughs> for the next three episodes? And then it's like, oh, ah, yes. that's where it's going to go. Grant, <laughs> I so that was that was the bit I enjoyed most about this. I honestly was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Wait, are they are they going to close it here, and we're going to spend the next three episodes essentially locking down the remaining storylines? Everyone gets like two characters get a, a like, and this is how they walked off into the sunset kind mm-hmm. of storyline. And I was like, "They're not going to do that." Like, would yeah. they? Maybe. Interesting. They haven't announced anything, but they did say everyone's going to die. <laughs> Someone's going to die. So what's... It? Okay, and I was trying to, like, ruminate through all this, like, going, I'm here for the ride, I'm enjoying this, but are you ending it now? And then when it all ended in true, what can only be described as Umbrella Academy-esque hijinks. Yeah. Like, okay. Cool, Classic. I'm down. Yeah. This is fun. Like it's a because it's just the yeah. resonance clink. You're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah. You like you think you put you would put Christopher. I know no one puts baby in a corner, mm-hmm. but in this case, when the baby is literally a walking Kugel Blitz or a floating Kugel Blitz, you put yeah. baby in a corner and like like <laughs> you basically put like. Do you know this when you have children and you like put like kind of things on the sides of tables to stop them when they knock their heads off it? That kind of over sides. Foam corners all over the yeah, place. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or you cover Christopher in like bubble wrap. And just, exactly. just yeah. in case. <laughs> in fairness, I don't think bubble wrap would have contained the so. Google Blitz uh, either if there yeah. was some intrinsic fundamental flaw that had happened with yeah. Christopher. Um, but yeah. I do like the idea yeah. that you could contain it with uh, bubble wrap. I think put him in a safe, make sure that there's some scientific research done now that it's been contained to ensure that it's all stable inside, because 
uh, yeah, one chink of a glass and then off, <laughs> off it blows. Uh, speaking of wonderful Umbrella Academy moments uh, and the, the things that only this show can do, I absolutely love the whimpering farce as they do contain uh, the couple bits. Yes, it uh, is good. It's so funny and so uh, so only this show would do it. Um, but that's what they always say, how the universe will end. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. <laughs> with a whimpering fire yes there you go (laughs) love it also in this moment you know we've talked about Alison and Lila Mm -hmm. at the um, sort of in that moment whilst the party's going on having their conversation she has her chat with Diego but there's also that really good chat um, between number five and and Victor as well where you know she's kind of Put herself away, staying out of Allison's way for sure. And mm. um, and five really saying, you know, if you had saved Harlan, that doesn't mean to say we would have saved the rest of the world. He, you know, he says there's no formula of save five Harlans to save two Claire's and mm-hmm. um, all the rest of the world. And um, you know, and you know, kind of really makes the point to it. You know, we kill. He's done it, and you've done it. You're a dangerous, powerful individual, you know, speaking to Victor. So you don't make decisions alone. And um, you need to talk to all of us because... And a great line as well where he says, do you know what they call a superhero who works alone? It's the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and great line really sums up neatly, you know. I mean, Victor kind of just hadn't understood it in that way and i love the way number five um effectively sort of explained it he has killed people before through what victor's powers have done people have died previously and and there's no simple equation in this uh universe absolutely and underlines it even more by going i'm here for you i've got your back but if you lie to me again i'll kill you myself um and that felt like a real threat from Vive. Can we just call out? And I know we've, we, there's only so many times I can kind of blow smoke for these <laughs> actors, but Aiden Gallagher is yeah. going to be, he, he's one of those, he's either going to go into the stratosphere of a mm-hmm. proper, like, he will be a superstar, um, or he, uh, like, or he'll kind of just burn up. But I, he's yet to exhibit any of the child star, crazy out <laughs> drinking levels. But he's just got some amazing acting chops. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the breakout. We have uh, Elliot Page already is an international star. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. We know that. Aiden Gallagher has always just been this. We've said it every season of how mm-hmm. great a standout yeah. actor and character he is. And the only other person to rival that is probably Tom Hopper, who is becoming, he is, he, he's been apparently tapped for a lot of action roles. He was in the Resident mm-hmm. Evil one remake recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently he's kind of getting into that edge of kind of, he's about to, again, reading broadsheets and film Twitter. <laughs> He's about to break into that wider action role hero yeah. for the next kind of the next 10 years because for mm. the ones who have the voids that's been left from Army Hammer and those types of films. 
and hopefully he doesn't mirror Ernie Hammer. <laughs> yeah, Aiden Gallagher has been a standout since the first season of the show, and you kind of wonder, yeah. given that it's been three seasons and one of them filmed during uh, during lockdown and COVID and all that kind of stuff, where they probably weren't working on many other projects, you really do wonder when he gets a bit of a break with other filming going on, what's he going to do? Where's he going to go? I know, yeah. he, I know, he plays music. I know he's an ambassador for um, for lots of charities as well. He does lots and lots and lots of charity work. Um, I wonder whether he'll just get bored of acting and move off into that. I hope not because he's been great in this. And I really yeah. want to see more from him, for, more from him in the future. But we really have set it right back from the start. This cast overall, everybody brings something really interesting to the show. Robert Sheehan's absolutely fantastic as well. He's another big standout in the show. Um, everybody oh, really yes, is, is Sorry, really, yes. really good. Yeah, definitely. It's a really good mix of actors and how they're portraying the characters and how they're written mm-hmm. how they're filmed and directed and it's just it's just a great ecosystem i think great and, it, and it's producing some really good good acting mm-hmm. damn fine acting in fact excellent stuff wonderful standouts on the show uh, overall any other notes anything else you guys want to talk about before we close out our discussion about episode seven of umbrella academy no uh nothing for me bob the only bit for me is i believe there might be some easter eggs and nods written onto the berlin wall but i have no idea what i didn't I keep okay. Well, there was Reagan with laser eyes, mm-hmm. I guess, which could be reference to his Star Wars program, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. Um, or maybe something. they're just referencing the boys. The boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the boys, exactly. <laughs> but who knows? Yeah, I wonder if it was even if it was actually just a reference to something that was actually on the Berlin Wall at the time. Could <laughs> have been to, I don't think compare the two of them side by side. Um, a couple of quick ones for me. I really loved uh, Alison's uh, attack on Luther when she sees him in his costume, telling him he looks like an unpopped zit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was that was really good fun. And then the great moment between Ben and Victor, where Ben goes up to his room and pretends he's just there to get his coat so that he can kind of admonish Victor and make him go downstairs and join the uh, yeah. the Google Blitz attack. It's it's something that we haven't seen from uh, from Ben before, really being that proper manipulative person, manipulative person, and using it to good effect here, yeah. not just for his yeah. own benefit. I uh, thought it was a really good conversation where he walks in and just kind of goes, "Victor, have you just been sitting up here waiting for someone to run after you? I'm here for my jacket." <laughs> yeah, uh, very good. I actually, um, I really enjoyed where, where Sloan and no- Number Five are, are talking about giving all the sort of statistics of the kugel blitz and how they're going to mm. deal with it and klaus just chimes in with should i be finding this hot you know as <laughs> as it, they're kind of running off the the geek sort of hotness radar with all this physics talk um i guess so really good like that little moment absolutely and then last note for me is just on ben um we see loads of pictures of a person called jennifer around his yeah. room loads of uh, drawings that potentially Ben's done and also called out by Klaus here that uh, Ben died in the Jennifer incident uh, when they were younger. So we haven't really heard that before. We know that Ben died. We know they had a funeral for him. That's kind of set everything in motion with the Umbrella Academy falling apart and not being as tight a family as uh, as they could have been. Um, but we haven't really heard it called the Jennifer 
incident before. And the yeah. reason I know that is because I frantically Googled it going, did I miss something from season one? What's this Jennifer person? How did she cause the death of Ben? So uh, so we don't know that yet. That could be set, potentially setting something up for next season or for later on this season, potentially. I hope so. so yeah. I really do hope so. If there is another season, let's hope so. We'll cross fingers on that. Excellent stuff. That's it for all of our notes and discussion points for episode seven of season three of Umbrella Academy. Uh, John, what did you think overall of this episode? I really enjoyed this episode. I have to say, um, I would give it four and a half herblets out of five. Um, I, I just like the big, ultimately explosive twist uh, mm. that occurs with the celebration after they've successfully contained the Kugel Blitz. I love the dynamic between Reggie and Klaus here. Just the silliness of the the bus ball, the 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 car accidents, and um, you know, and again. What this show does really well, it's just interspersed with, you know, uh, Lila having to confess to Diego and the seriousness of that, the tension driven by um, Allison and Victor's now pretty sort of uh, crumbled relationship yeah. after just having reached a high. And, um, you know, the snidey remarks going on from the sparrows to the umbrella, mm-hmm. despite coming together, the, the, the real threat from number five to Victor. And um, so it's just really, really good. So, uh, yeah, for me, this is like four and a half herblets out of five. Herblets being, of course, Herb from the Commission. Yes. And it is Lila's little pet name that she calls him. Calls him Herbless. Uh, yes. yes. Thank you. Sorry, I was I was wondering. Thanks for that, John. Uh, overall, Chris, what did you think of the episode? Loved it. Yeah. I, yeah. It's every episode this season. I think it, it, there's very few down episodes for me in this season. Like It uh-huh. is kind of giving me enough that I'm consistently going, okay, what next? Oh, yeah. okay, okay, what next? Like, it's fun TV. It's entertainment. Yeah. And that's exactly. perfectly, it's perfectly encapsulating that because it's good acting. It's not heavy. You can go in, you get some good acting, get some good drama, you get some good comedy, you get some good action, you get some good superheroics. And it per- it's a perfect kind of smoothie blend of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good for you. So there you go. There you go. Excellent. Derek, what do you think? Yeah, I'm really enjoying spending time with these characters, and that's what the show is giving me. I'm really enjoying, as as John says, the kind of snide, backhanded remarks that are that you just kind of catch. I love how the show delivers that, uh, and this episode is really, really good. The uh, hilarity of uh, cartoon uh, Klaus bouncing back and forth between yeah. uh, between cars was really, really good. I love, love that moment, and loads of other great stuff uh, with the episode. Really good. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff. One more piece of business. As usual, let's head on over to the Hotel Obsidian Lounge for our pub quiz question. I think we need a drink after after that episode. We uh, certainly do. Champagne, but nobody cheers Chris. <laughs> exactly. <Sure>. No <laughs> toasting Chris. Sorry, Chris. Uh, but it's okay. I'm used to it. Fellow quizzers, <laughs> fellow brollies. Yes, it is episode seven, which leads us nicely logically and rationally on to question seven for this pub quiz 
which is how many dead bodies do Herb and Dot make their way past to get to Lila at the Infinite Switchboard in 1953? Ooh, that was a nice cameo actually to see Herb and Dot back. It was. We saw Herb um, just making a speech to camera um, back a couple of episodes ago. We saw uh, yes, five and watching on screen out. and getting wiped out. His death moment, I suppose. Uh, but nice to see Herb and Dot now leaders of the commission after everything that happened uh, before. So. Definitely. Yeah. John, do you want to give the question one more time? Certainly. How many dead bodies do Herb and Dot make their way past to get to Lila at the Infinite Switchboard in 1953? Excellent stuff. Send in your answers to all of the pub quiz questions at the end of the season. There's, uh, there'll be 10 of them. Uh, email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your answers to all the questions and you could be with a chance to guess your hands on some Umbrella Academy goodies. Speaking of that email address, we also take feedback in there for any of the episodes that we're discussing. Uh, if you want to share your thoughts about Umbrella Academy, uh, you can do that. Do it that way. Email us there or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries where you can leave a thought your thoughts on our spoiler post up there for all of the episodes that we have. Uh, Dr. Bob Phillips sent in his thoughts on Facebook. He says, Lila knocks it out of the park in this episode from her murderous desire to watch real-life Netflix through the hammering at the dawn of a new world to the tenderness of a revealed pregnancy. And Alison, that cathartic drum solo is how you constructively deal with grief. Of course, Five played an understated blinder himself too, and I did think for a moment that Christopher might keep the Kugel gas internalized for one more episode. Never mind, it's the apocalypse again, and with even fewer digits to deal with it this time. Good stuff. Love your feedback, Dr. Bob. <laughs> yeah, excellent stuff. Thanks, uh, Bob. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Lila really does have a, a journey mm. in, in this. It is almost a flashback of you know her since you know towards the end of season two. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's, yeah. it's a continuation of what happened after season two to her. Uh, up until she met them in uh, in Hotel Obsidian, right? So yeah. Uh, so now we know it wasn't twelve years that she was gone, of course. And you're right, Doctor Bob. Uh, five plays an absolute blinder here again. Mm -hmm. Like just completely agreed. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much, Dr. Bob. Thanks, everybody, for watching along with us for Umbrella Academy Season 3 for Episode 7. We'll be back next time to discuss the eighth episode of Season 3 of Umbrella Academy, Wedding at the End of the World. Excellent stuff. Yes, thank you so much. And just for your knowledge, this episode is brought to you by our Patreons, including Rich. Thank you so much, Rich, for your support. Yeah, thanks so much, Rich. Really mm. good to have your support. Really appreciated. Absolutely. Thanks to you, Rich, and thanks to all of our patrons uh, for all your support and all of our listeners for all of your support. As well. Exactly, exactly. And if you want to be like Rich, you can head on over to patreon.com slash TV podcast entries where you can support us for an ongoing amount. Or if you want to do a one-off donation, head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Yes, I'll be the same, son. I'll be the same. Yes, thank you so much, fellow Brawlies, for, for joining us. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and I'll be the same. Bye. 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 Cheers. Cheers.